0: It's a Thursday up and down the West Coast. Who wants to talk sports? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton broadcasting from our studios in San Diego, along with the irreverent co-host John (laughs) Riley, who does parts of this show with his opinions from left field. We welcome you to our Thursday podcast as we kick off the great sports weekend. And John, we have stories and topics on the table we never would have imagined we would be discussing, and within a span of 24 hours... The sports world went upside down and exploded. This is amazing what we're going to talk about.
1: Yeah, I mean, all the stuff with golf is incredible. I mean, there's all these rumors with the Lakers. There's a lot going on on this Thursday.
0: Now, before we pull topics off the table and start discussing what I think, what he thinks, we want to make sure that we get access to you so we can find out what you think. John? Tell them about Fans Forum and then tell them about how they subscribe to join everything we're doing.
1: Yeah, so you can uh, get involved in today's podcast. You can be a member of the Fans Forum. Just drop your um, hot take, your question for Hacksaw in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. We'll get you involved in the Fans Forum segment at the conclusion of Hacksaw's headlines. Um, At the same time, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts and even on YouTube. We put a lot of content out on YouTube just about every day.
0: And if you like sports, please check my website. It is all written. It's a ton of information. The best 15 minutes in sports, Hacksaw's headlines, one man's opinion, Hacksaw's mini poll. Just go to the website. It's posted right there at the top of the screen on live stream, leehacksawhamilton.com. And by the way, if you like what we're doing. Give us a thumbs up if you like what we're doing, because John has no friends. Give him a five star rating <laughs> yeah. for our podcast. And we invite you to share, subscribe, tell everybody about what we're doing on our website and what we're doing on our podcast. John, let's start with something we never, ever imagined would happen. A ceasefire in the war. In golf.
1: Yeah, it's been a feud. We've been talking about the feud for months now, and now it looks like these two are coming together. They're, they're going to merge? Out of nowhere. This
0: story came out of nowhere. The PGA Tour merges with the enemy, the LIV Golf. And the first thing that popped into my mind was, you took blood money. The second thing that popped into my mind was the use of the word hypocrite. Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour engineered seven weeks of negotiations with the leadership of the LIV and the Saudi Public Investment Fund and came to a decision, it's better to merge, make this thing work, than fight this through through the courts. I'm going to walk you through a couple of different angles to the story and then John will throw it to you and you can talk about. How did this happen? Why did this happen? Based on the people I network with, the LIV was in trouble. They had no fans. Their TV contract was a disaster. They had no co- corporate sponsors. They weren't drawing fans to their tournaments, whether it was in Istanbul, Turkey, or whether it was in London, or at Trump's Bedminster. Nobody was coming to see uh, the tournaments. They had lost $863 million last year. Wow. They were projected to lose this year. billion. That's a phenomenal amount of money. I don't care about Saudi oil money. That's a phenomenal amount of money. And there were pressure points, I believe, from the office of the Crown Prince that this was not a good investment and this did not have an end game that was going to work out. And then suddenly the rumors started to drift towards the U.S. that the LIV was trying to find somebody to buy the golf operation. There was a report last week in London, I think it was in the London Times that I read, that they had approached a investment consortium called Endeavor, and they thought they had a 1000000000 billion-plus acquisition deal in place. And at the last minute, Endeavor looked at the books and said, no, we're not doing this. So LIV was looking at hemorrhaging money going forward. That rumor got to Ponte Vedra, Florida, to the PGA, Jay Monahan had two right-hand people that he worked with. Uh, one is Jimmy Dunn, who had been with the PGA Tour for 40 years. He's an investment banker. Uh, the other is a gentleman by the name of Ed Herlihy, who's been actively involved in the PGA for a long time. He's a banker globally, a merger specialist. Monahan went to them and asked Dunn and Herlihy, would you make contact with LIV to find out what's fact, what's fiction, what's going on? And instantly the talk started. They had four meetings over a seven-week window. They came front and center with proposals and ideas. And it was not like we told you so, we're going to run you into the ground, <laughs> we're going to win, you have to give us everything. It was a business transaction. And, and one of the other things that nobody's talked about, but I really firmly believe from the golf people that I network with, Neither one of these sides wanted to go into an antitrust court case. Mm. They did not want um, discovery, did not want depositions, because I think a lot of stuff would have surfaced about either how the PGA used to operate Mm. and what the LIV was doing, et cetera. Neither one... Want to pay the legal fees on top of everything else. But the discovery, I was told, is what really scared both sides to the negotiating table. So that's the background of how that happened. Just give me a quick response because then I'll go topic to topic with a couple of our angles to the story. Are you shocked that this has developed the way it has?
1: Well, it is shocking because we didn't see it coming. It just all of a sudden appeared there was a merger. Um, we had talked about how I thought it made sense that they would merge because so many other sports leagues have merged historically. And if the The players were going to get the big payouts if they were going to pay all the way down to the bottom of the list, you know, so the guys that get cut still get paid. I thought they were going to be able to come to terms, but they were in grudge mode. But now they've kissed and made up. Well, I don't know if they've kissed and made up, but there is
0: to a degree some type of civil peace rather than civil war. And, you know, you're, you're correct. I wrote a column about this on my website early this week. You know, if we look back in the modern history of pro sports, we had the NFL and the AFL. And they eventually merged when the American Football League started taking all the NFL quarterbacks. That's what drove them to the table. And the prices on players went crazy. So that happened. We had the old ABA and the, and the historically established NBA. That was that was bloodletting. There was a lot of money lost in the ABA. But what it did was it led to rule changes and it allowed the young Rookie players, the Dr. J's coming out of high school and Moses Malone to go to pro basketball. So we have a better NBA now by virtue of that. We had the NHL and the World Hockey Association, and that war lasted nine years. And the cost of players went through the roof, and they eventually came to a peace settlement because the WHA kept overpaying for the Bobby Holes and the Andre Lacroix and the Jerry Cheevers of the world to jump to the new league. And then they finally came to a peace settlement. The one war that didn't work and nearly killed the sport was auto racing. Uh CART, championship auto racing teams, has run Indy 500 and all the Indy car races for decades upon decades. And the upstart IRL, the Indy Racing League, came into formation. They went to war for three years. IRL had drivers jump. They ran their own schedule. Nobody went to it. Indy, the CART, uh, continued to run its schedule, minus the star drivers who had jumped to the IRL, And they were really suffering. And the sports suffered terribly. All of a sudden, NASCAR lapped them in terms of popularity. Mm -hmm. And they finally settled and solved that issue. So there has been a history of competition, lawsuits, and all that, eventually a settlement. This has got big monster money implications to it. Let's talk about what they've agreed upon. And the structure is not set in cement yet. But Jay Monahan and the PGA, John, will run every facet of golf between the lines. Tournaments here in the USA, the PGA Tour, tournaments in Europe that used to be part of the DF European Tour, and tournaments that LIV ran. But the PGA is going to run every facet of scheduling and golf. Mm. That's huge. It'll be the PGA's tour, but now it'll be globally. The only ones that they won't put their stamp on will be the Grand Slams, you know, Mm -hmm. the Masters and U.S. Open and the British Open. So those will all continue to run the way they've operated as a separate entity. So that that one big change, It, it will be a PGA Global Tour. The LIV is going to invest billions of dollars to the PGA. A chunk of that money will be used to grow the European Tour which has been kind of fragmented. Mm-hmm. And that global tour will involve not just Europe. It might involve Africa. It involve Asia. So so the LIV is going to have some input in a global tour all under the PGA flag, and the PGA is going to get phenomenal amounts of money from the public investment firm as part of that. Uh, the, the concept that LIV had about team competition, which I think is really weird, doesn't <laughs> make any sense to me, Yeah, but I'm old school. They're going to have team competition. Now, there's a big debate whether it'll be a special team competition with all the stars at the end of the PGA schedule here in the States or whether on off weeks in Europe they'll send the stars to play over there in team competitions in markets that might not have been exposed to the PGA Tour. You know, obviously we know about the British Open, but maybe you maybe you put a, a PGA-LIV team competition in Paris— or maybe put one in hmm. Barcelona
1: mm-hmm.
0: or somewhere in Africa. So LIV is going to oversee that. I was told the LIV is going to pay off the Phil Mickelsons and the Dustin Johnsons of the world till the end of their schedule in November. Okay. And then whatever was promised going forward will be relinquished. So these guys will play for whatever the annual bonus money they were getting at, till the end of the year. That's, that's how they solve what those guys are owed. I think there's 31 guys that signed contracts to jump that got different levels of guaranteed money that'll expire at the end of November. They won't get the years three, four, and five that were on those contracts initially. Uh, there's a huge debate as to whether they're going to redo the TV contracts. You know, PGA's like everybody else. It's all about the dollar. Oh yeah. So you you got all these contracts with Fox and with CBS and with NBC and ESPN. Are they going to go back, knock on the door and say, we now have a global tour. We want a bigger rights fee from you mm-hmm. to continue to televise the PGA global tour. That That's a great unknown. The elite tournaments they put into effect this year with all the expanded prize money stays in packed. The, those things won't change. The guys will be playing for $20 million prize money at eight tournaments in addition to the Grand Slam events and then in addition to everything else that's on the tour. So – it's all about big, big amounts of dollars. Your response.
1: Wow. I mean, it's a ton of things and that you just shared. I like the idea of them mixing in the the team concept. You know, maybe they have a, you know, kind of like how uh, professional soccer is done in Europe, you know, where they have tournaments. Champions League. Yeah. They kind of break up the regular schedule. That might be kind of fun. I like the idea of the innovation of bringing it to new geographies and exposing more people to the sport. But, you know, I look at those other sports that have, that have, um, merged their their sanctioning bodies have merged but usually what happens as a result is the sport is better off financially better off competitively better off it's better fan experience i mean do you think that's what's going to be the end result here
0: i think for the fans it'll be great because it will be a global tour and the people that have really never been exposed to the pga i mean france is a big country germany is a big country yeah and you start dropping in unique tournaments, either at the team concept tournament or just tournaments per se, for European fans. There'll be a lot of people buying tickets to go see that. that live in Paris and Munich and Berlin and such. So I think from a concept, it's just mm-hmm. fabulous. And of course, the PGA Tour is getting LIV corporate funding to expand the tour abroad. Somebody's got to pay the bills. LIV, I think, is going to wind up paying the bills. OK, so that's the business aspect. Let's talk about the players because okay. they are not happy. Ah. Uh, there was an angry 75-minute meeting at the Canadian Open on Wednesday in which Monaghan took a lot of hits, took a lot of heat from there's more than 100 golfers that were there. Uh, he answered every question. I give him credit. He did not make apologies. He did not give them specific details because those things have not yet been worked out by the organizational committees. But he said this was the right time to do it. Both parties were interested in doing this for the good of golf. It was not going to help either one of us to go to antitrust. It's a big issue there. But, I mean, he got smoked. <laughs> he was called a traitor. Oh, he wow. was called a turncoat. He was called a thief in the night. He was accused of taking blood money. One of the players stood up and said, do you have the courage now to go face the nine eleven family? United groups that you stood next to after 9-11 and you stood with them and condemned what the Saudis were doing mm. to snare all these players abroad? Are you willing to go talk to them and tell them you're sorry that you had to change your mind? And he said he would. Rory McIlroy uh, was really angry because he's the most influential guy right now in the Players Advisory Committee. Mm-hmm. Nobody from that committee was incorporated in these talks. There were just four people. Wow. Monahan, a lawyer, Dunn, and Hurley. that Those four are the only ones I met with, LIV. Incredible. Nobody knew. The players did not know. Uh, Jimmy Dunn called Roy McElroy at 6.30 Wednesday morning and said, this is going to be announced within a half hour. And McElroy was speechless. Oh, I'm sure. And by the time he got to the, uh, uh, Toronto's course for practice in a press briefing, he was so angry he couldn't link his words together. He slept on it. He then did another press conference yesterday, talked extensively, and said he had come to peace with what they did because golf is in a better place right now. Mm-hmm. But, hmm. big but, John, there must be consequences to Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson and every one of those 31 guys who left. Yeah. Rory McElroy just flat out front and center at the Canadian Open said, you cannot allow these guys... Who have gone abroad, made all this money, badly damaged our tour. There have to be consequences. And he says that the PGA Tour needs to fine every one of those 31 before giving them their tour player cards back. Interesting. Each guy has to reapply for his tour card. So that's the big issue. And then Rory asked the question, and a lot of fans have the same question. People read my website, sent me notes about this. What about the guys who stayed loyal here, mm-hmm. turned down? a hundred million dollars to go to Saudi Arabia. What do they get out of this? Are you going to compensate them? Will there be a bonus to them for their loyalty to the badge, mm-hmm. to the PGA tour badge? So that, that that's a story that has to be decided yet. Uh, Matt Kuchar uh, was the only one, all the, all the one, spoke out very positively about this after the meeting. He said, the one thing is we now have not only peace, we truly have a global golf tour and by the way we've already made a lot of bonus money with the elite tournaments the PGA selected to give us this year and by the way the PGA tour will run the global tour so it is our tour quote we won wow so so that that's interesting that you know a lot of players are really upset i think this thing will settle itself out And to what you said, and as I indicated, I think this is win-win for everybody. It's a win-win for the fans because all the players are now back or will be back together in 2024 and have a chance. And now you've got the finances because of the Saudi money to really expand this thing and, and do it global. So I threw a lot at you. Give me your response. Do you let Phil Mickelson and those guys back in cart-free? What do you do to the guys who are loyal? Go ahead.
1: You gotta let them back in because losing all those marquee players, you know, affected probably viewership and attendance at the events. But yeah, they've gotta they've gotta somehow, you know, bend a knee, you know, to the PGA. And is it a fine? Is it something else? I don't know. I think but they'll have to work that out. But My understanding is, is that the PGA was a players run league or a players run organization. And so now you've got, you know, the commissioner of the organization kind of independently negotiating this deal and just dropping a bomb on all those players. I mean, it's no wonder that argument went 75 minutes was so heated because these players feel like they're equal partners or something close to that. And yet, you know, this hammer dropped. But in the end, you know, I don't know how we're going to ever overcome this idea that this is, you know, quote unquote, blood money, that the Saudi prince is involved with this. And they're the ones that assassinated the journalist. And there's been, you know, links to a lot of other problems around the world. Uh, I don't know if we can ever get over that. You can't just sort of wave your hand and that goes away.
0: General consensus is I guess there's a price on everything in sports, you know, because the Saudis bought Newcastle United in -hmm. the English Premier League. The Saudis bought their way into the Olympics at Qatar. Mm. The Saudis bought their way into Formula One racing this year and are going to grow that. You know, they haven't bought an NFL team or an NBA team yet. But if it's happening in all these other places, money talks, people walks, it's a big issue. What's the reaction globally? USGA, quote, it's good we resolved this conflict. RNA, the Royal and Ancient that runs the British Open, quote, I am pleased that these people will move forward. LPGA, pleased, fractured system, was no good for anybody. Augusta, home of the Masters, quote, pleased, rich history, we will bring this together. And the PGA associates, pleased, period, exclamation point. So I think that the reaction from everybody has been pretty, pretty positive. Although the guys that made the sport what the sport is are really upset and I thought to myself, I was writing my column the other night, and you can check it on my website in the archives, I wonder what Arnie Palmer spinning in his grave would say, what hmm. Ben Hogan would say, what Sam Snead would say. Uh, Jack Nicklaus has been very mum and very quiet about this. He's one of the last of the great living legends. We've not heard from some of the other great global players yet about this. So Story's not over. So I guess I'll ask the question for everybody watching us in a live stream like or dislike who won, who lost PGA versus LIV. Is it good? Is it bad for golf? You golf fans watching us in a live stream, send us a message. So, That's a big story. It's taken up a lot of our time, but I thought you'd want all the angles and the details as to how we got to where we are on a Thursday afternoon looking towards 2024.
1: Well, yeah, I agree. It's a ton in there and a lot of different angles, but in the end, it's always good to see disputes resolved and people can kind of put their egos aside and kind of come to agreement. And yeah, you got to grease the palms a little bit. You know, it's a financial thing here, but hopefully this all works out because if it does, it'll be really good for the sport, especially taking it globally. I mean, imagine now tie maybe playing in Germany and France. You know, what about the LPGA and, you know, their international players? Are they part of this? Because uh, there was a rumor that they were going to merge or, or be helped out by these other two organizations. Not yet,
0: but obviously another day brings another meeting and you never know where that goes. And I would assume that the PGA Global will reach out and incorporate the LPGA yeah. under the same umbrella. Again, Global Golf. Okay, if that's not... Th- That's not the only story to talk about, about things changing. Let's talk about the second topic on the table you've got.
1: I mean, we're doing international sports here, Lee. I mean, Lionel Messi is coming to America. Absolutely stunning.
0: Uh, He is signing a deal with Inter-Miami MLS expansion team owned by David Beckham. Uh, He's got business interest in Florida. He spends a lot of time in Florida. Uh, This is a 36-year-old global superstar. He has walked away from Paris Saint-Germain. The big money contract he got did not work out. Neymar went there too, did not work out. One is gone, the next one is going to leave. He turned down $386 million a year from where? (laughs) Saudi Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. (laughs) He turned it down. He also turned down his old club where he spent 19 years, FC Barcelona, they have enormous financial problems. That's a big issue. They've got salary cap violations. FC Barcelona can't give him a global contract. Part of his deal, the MLS has a bylaw that you can bring in three international stars a year and it does not count against the salary cap. Okay. So Inter Miami brings him in. We don't know the specific dollar figure for him to come to MLS. I don't know if it'll be more than David Beckham got. I don't know if it'll be more uh, than some of the other Zoltan Ibrahimovic got from the LA Galaxy. But it'll be a payday. However, there's a marketing deal. He is going to get a chunk of money from Apple. Apple's moved into the TV play-by-play stream. Oh yeah, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna provide him bonus money as part of this contract. As is Adidas. Oh, uh, Adidas, Adidas has been one of his sponsors, and he's got global fan support. Oh yeah, in terms of selling kits, jerseys, shoes, etc. So a chunk of the big money is coming from MLS Apple, Adidas. that's how this financial deal came together. How great a player is he? Well, he's got 803 career goals, second most ever to Pele. No, no, Ronaldo Cristiano. Okay, all right. Uh, second most, eight hundred three career goals. He's got thirteen World Cup goals. He's got one hundred thirty nine international goals. I mean, this guy is a legend. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating to see Messi comes. Does it give boom a boost to MLS? I don't know. That's a big question. Major League Soccer runs way behind in terms of radar personality compared to the NFL. Obviously, NCAA football, March Madness, Major League Baseball, maybe the NBA, the NHL. It's further down the pole. However, soccer fans are soccer fans, and they will sell out the stadiums when they get the chance to see Messi in person. So this came out of nowhere. No, we had talked about this maybe a month ago here on this podcast. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of rumors about MLS. I never thought it was possible. But by virtue of the consortium with Apple and Adidas and what MLS approved Miami to do— there's the dollar figure. Now, I don't know if it's if it's close to $400 million that he turned down from Saudi Arabia, but it's an amazing story. Your reaction?
1: Yeah. It, we were talking before about the opportunity to go to Saudi Arabia and make, what would that be, nine figures a year? Like, you know, almost $300 million. That's amazing. Uh, but he decided to come to America. Obviously, he's going to be getting a ton of money. Um, but this seems to be different than when Beckham came to uh, play for the Galaxy or when Pele was for the Cosmos because- Messi is still legit. I mean, this dude can still play. I mean, you know, they won the World Cup, I mean, just last year, right? So uh, I think I think American soccer fans are going to really be in for a treat with this guy. Yeah,
0: no doubt about it. OK, before we turn to baseball and all the other topics on the table, John, just remind everybody about Fans form. looking for people to fill up here and join us right at the end of the show. How does it work? And then also subscribing.
1: OK, so yeah, you can get involved in Fans form. Just type in your comment or question for Hacksaw in the live chat on facebook or on youtube and yeah be sure to subscribe you know wherever you get your podcasts you know apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify we're on all the platforms and be sure to subscribe on youtube and click on that little bell and you'll get alerts whenever we drop uh, new video clips throughout the week
0: and a reminder check my website if you like sports you will like what i write every day leehacksawhamilton.com also give us a thumbs up and if you're interested in giving us a rating we'll take five stars just go ahead and do that all right let's talk major league baseball
1: okay (laughs) This headline, the L.A.'s having some trouble here. I mean, I don't even know. Are are they still in first place? I don't think they are. There's nothing wrong with your eyesight. Might be something wrong with my (laughs) eyesight.
0: Arizona's in first place. The Arizona Diamondbacks are in first place in the National League West. Are you kidding me? I mean, we we have talked ad lib, ad nauseum about the Padres hitting problems. Uh, The Dodgers have pitching problems. Uh, They're really dinged up in the starting rotation. And their bullpen has just absolutely collapsed. Now, this weekend, they think they're getting Julio Urias back as a starter. This kid, Bobby Miller, the number one pick, has thrown three great games in a row as a starter. In fact, I think he's given up only one earned run in something like 17 innings. Kershaw continues to be Kershaw. Just won his ninth game today through seven shutout innings. Wow. Uh, they've had a huge setback with uh, Noah Syndergaard. He's been removed from the roster. He is on the injured list. Uh, his ERA is over seven. Mechanically, he's just not the same pitcher. He can't get it back. Uh, he's had, I don't know, five or six bad outings in a row. He's being sent to an extended spring training in Glendale while he's on the IL to try to Figure things out. He's lost his velocity. His mechanics are all fouled up. He can't, doesn't feel right on the mound. And I don't know whether he's favoring the elbow that he had the major operation, just not the same pitcher. Now, on top of everything else, the bullpen has imploded. <laughs> you know, there is there is no Kenley Jansen in Dodger Stadium anymore. You know, you think back to Dodger relievers, and what's the first name that flashes to mind? Eric Agnye? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I yeah, remember him. I mean,
0: Jonathan Broxton, uh, Steve Howell. On all of his problems. Jay Howell?
1: Was he one of them? Steve Howell. Steve Howell. Okay, I'm getting them mixed up. Here's All right.
0: Last 11 losses for the Dodgers. The bullpen. 38 innings thrown in 11 games. 39 runs allowed. Whoa. 44 hits. 19 base runners from the relievers. That's... Oh, my. Uh, That's That's unbelievable. That ain't working. That's 60—I do bad math—67 base runners in 38 innings. The collective ERA of the Dodger bullpen, 9.23.
1: Yeah. In the last 11 games. And that's a whip near two. I mean, that's horrible.
0: Yeah. So— the term Dodger Blue now has a different dimension to it. Yeah, as it relates <laughs> they're doing to they're the singing booklet. the blues. I think that Andrew Friedman's going to have to make a deal to get a pitcher. We got a bunch of teams that are out of the pennant races that are dead. You know, make the phone call. Um, Kansas City's got a Chapman, the once famous Yankee closer. Oh, yeah. He's got a two point one five ERA for a last place, horrid team. See if you can get him. Uh, Washington's out of the race. They got three relievers that they've put on the trade block. See if there's one there. That attracts your attention because this can't go on. They keep blowing leads. I mean, they had a 6-2 lead this week. They had an 8-3 lead and they lost both those games. 11 straight. 11 losses in the last three weeks just because the bullpen has imploded. So... Dodger baseball is hitting the daylight's head of the ball, and their starters have been pretty decent through all the adversity. This bullpen
1: just is terrible. Yeah, you you, you got to have a solid bullpen if you want to <laughs> go deep into the season. Uh, I saw some highlights. They were playing in the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, and the Reds brought up one of these rookies, and he was just killing it. What was his name? Was it De La Cruz, I yeah, think was L- his name? L.A.
0: De La Cruz, 19-year-old shortstop, six foot seven, and I think he crashed it. I want to say a 462-foot home run against the Dodgers in his first game.
1: Unbelievable. I mean, that's a special player. So the Reds are probably all fired up. And, yeah, you're teeing off on some of these weak Dodger hitters. You know, good on the Reds. Well, here's the question. You,
0: you make the deal now. So, say it's Aroldis Chapman, who's had a really good career. Now, he's he might be 40 years of age. He's still got velocity, though. He had some physical problems last year, but he's he's healthy in Kansas City right now. You make the deal now before the deadline so he, there's not a risk that he gets hurt in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Or you make the deal now, and maybe you're a month ahead of everybody else getting yourself back into the chase for first place with legitimacy in the bullpen. Because they've been trying anything and everything. They're trying guys off the streets, free agents. With, <laughs> they brought in Ken Giles, who had had two arm problems, and he's currently in Oklahoma City, but he's not ready to pitch. And nobody knows him to pitch at the major league level. So, I, And they've got... A lot of assets in their farm system. Now, I don't think they want to trade one of the AAA pitchers at Oklahoma City to rent a role Chapman, but you could be able to put together some type of package to be able to get an established lefty that you could rent for the rest of the season. So that's where we are. Dodger baseball's got issues. Padre baseball's got issues. And... (laughs) Shaking my head that Arizona's in first place. But That's there's, incredible. There's a lot of baseball still well, that they've playing. We
1: were just talking, like our previous podcast, about how the Dodgers needed starting pitchers. And now they need relief pitchers. I mean, you know, all hands on deck. Yeah, yeah
0: very much so. Let's go from baseball. Let's uh, let's talk a little basketball, a little three-point shot, a little <laughs> L.A. Laker basketball. Yeah. Because, boy, when we bring this topic up on the table... The people go crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, we do the video clips with Lakers content and get like 20,000 views on Instagram. <laughs> it's incredible. So uh, we were talking a little bit about this um, on Monday, about this possible trade with the Mavericks, and it's intriguing. I mean, how, what are you hearing here, Lee? Well, there's conversation going
0: on, but I don't think it's doable. And I don't understand why the Lakers would even do this. I guess for those of you going to join us at the end of the live stream and fans forum. Do you really want this guy on your team or do you want the Lakers to give up the other guy? We're talking about Kyrie Irving there on the left. We're talking about LeBron James on the right. Laker fan, do you really want Kyrie Irving on your team? Knowing track record, great individual talent, relationships always end badly. Just go back in the history book and look at what happened with Kyrie Irving in Cleveland, what happened in Boston, what happened in Brooklyn. And then when he got to Dallas, look what happened. They didn't even make the Bleepin' playoffs. He's a free agent. He doesn't want to take a pay cut. To go to the Lakers as a free agent, he'd have to take a massive pay cut, and he doesn't want to give up any of the 36 mil that is on this contract that he's got, that he can opt out of. For LeBron, he's due to make 47, which is the max. He's got an option for fifty the next year. It's L.A. It's Tinseltown. It's yeah the movie industry. It's where his entertainment company is headquartered. Why would he want to go to Dallas, Texas? And he wants to play with his kid a year from now when Bronny comes out of USC after a one and done. Uh, you know, I don't think that the the Mavericks have the resources to make a trade. Emotionally, Why would the Lakers want to divest themselves of LeBron when you got LeBron and you got AD and they still got miles left on the tires and you got the two young guys that you developed? You could have another late round draft pick. Now, you don't have a lot of cap space. That's a big issue in L.A. Uh, I just I can't see this happening uh, because of the salary cap, because of the emotional impact. If you let LeBron go to Dallas or... What I think is a divisive influence. If you bring Kyrie onto your roster into your Laker building, I just don't think Kyrie fits anywhere, and I don't, I don't think he'd fit where purple and gold. Response:
1: Yeah, I, I just don't understand what the Lakers would get out of this, you know, because, you know, you're playing pickup ball and you're picking teams. I mean, you take LeBron before Kyrie every time, uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's an odd thing, you know. And just kind of another crazy tangent. Did you see the news about the Lakers that Austin Reeves? Is now dating Taylor Swift. Unbelievable. Hey, if they're free agents, they're free agents. <laughs> well, yeah, it's Tinseltown, it's Hollywood. So, yeah, why would LeBron want to abandon, you know, all the glitter of LA and go play in Dallas? I mean, it seems obviously if they made a deal here, they'd have to get the players to cooperate and approve it. But, um, This this doesn't it doesn't make sense for really for for the Lakers at all.
0: I I concur with you wholeheartedly. We're in the middle of the playoffs, and I bet Adam Silver is just really steamed because the commissioner does not want teams firing coaches or making trades during the playoffs and taking the spotlight off Denver joker miami jimmy Mm -hmm. etc so i'll be i'll be fascinated to see where this goes we got the whole month of june going to the beginning of free agency in july and of course the nba draft i just i would not make the trade but you're going to join us on fans forum live stream Give us your opinion there. We move from that. Let's talk NFL because this is a nasty story.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Colts and gambling. I know there's been a history of that way back in the day. She, what's his name? Lerner, for the quarterback from o- Ohio State. So is it something similar to that? Well, here's the deal.
0: The NFL months ago did some in-house investigation of reports that young Detroit Lion players were betting on games. Well, they weren't betting on NFL games, but they were placing bets. Jameson Williams, the number one draft pick, wide receiver, Alabama, is one of the guys. He got suspended five games. Mm -hmm. Three other guys got suspended, and they released three of the other guys. Four staffers in the locker room, people that work for the club, equipment guys, field workers, whatever, (laughs) they were part of this thing. They all got fired. All of a sudden, the NFL starts to worry about if it's happening in Detroit to that number of players— that happened in other places. And now we find out Indianapolis, starting cornerback, young guy by the name of Isaiah Rogers. He was expelled from the facility yesterday. He is facing expulsion from the league. Evidently, the investigation has found that Isaiah Rogers had a burner phone with a bogus ID and (laughs) placed over 200 bets last year on games, on NFL games, on his Colts. I don't know if it was to win or to lose. He's facing expulsion from the NFL. And to your point, yes, there has been history. Art Schließer had the gambling mm-hmm, addiction mm-hmm. and wiped out his career. Prior to that, way back in the day, Paul Honan got suspended for a year. Alex Garris got suspended for a year for gambling on games. That was back in the 1960s. I guess the stunning thing to me is the union and the NFL have a protocol. These rookies, when they go to the symposiums, they have this list of things that they are given. Gambling is one of them. What you can do, what you can't do. And yet, the young wide receiver in Atlanta, number one pick, was Calvin Ridley. Mm -hmm. Got suspended for a whole year. He was gambling. And he was on injured reserve and was not with the team because he had a catastrophic injury. And he started had all this loose time. And these guys got a lot of money in their pockets. He started gambling and got addicted. So he got suspended for a whole year. Now he's just been reinstated. These guys know, should know, better pay attention to know. Mm -hmm. And you got this guy's placed 200-plus bets on sporting events, including NFL games, including his team. And he made the bets from the facility. And it's all laid out right there. Players Association gives those players what you should and should not do. Or if you have a problem, here's who you call. Holy cow. So I don't know if this is the tip of the iceberg and if it's going to grow or whether this is just an isolated incident of stupidity.
1: Yeah, well, they've got to crack down on this sort of thing because if there's any appearance that these games are rigged, I mean, it becomes like the WWE, you know, where it's just orchestrated. But the the league is not operating from a very firm position because they're kind of two-faced on gambling now. For the longest time, you know, gambling and and. And the NFL, where there was a Great Wall of China that separated the two. But now, you know, DraftKings and is, is one of the sponsors of the NFL games. they and got the a, casinos. And they got a team in, in Las Vegas. Everybody's
0: on a foot race to get their franchise moved to Las Vegas because now it's legal.
1: Right. So it, it kind of puts them in a weak position to discipline a player for gambling. But it seems to me if you're running a league like that, you, you, you should be able to say, don't bet on football. If you want to bet on, you know, LeBron, you want to bet on, you know, uh, you know Aaron Judge, go for it. But leave football alone. You want to protect the integrity of the game because that protects the income that each of those players make.
0: The strangest quote of all, maybe a month ago, Jameson Williams, the number 1 draft pick, got a five-game suspension. He didn't play last year because he was recovering from knee surgery at Alabama. Great, great player. Uh, Jameson Williams said, I didn't know. What? I didn't know. Well, obviously, you didn't open up any of the material they gave you at the
1: rookie symposium uh, that each of those draft picks gets. That's BS. That's, that's pleading ignorance. I mean, you know that. I mean, you know that before you ever got drafted. You know as a in high school and in college, you're not supposed to bet on sports. So, I mean, no, I, I don't buy that at all. So
0: I, I just fear this is the tip of the iceberg. And I think if, if it's two teams that's occurred, it's probably occurred other places. But oh, yeah. They'll come down hard on it. It is the off season. Aside from what's going on in the NBA, we got Puck to
1: talk about. We do. I mean, we had the big uh, signing of a, of a new head coach with Anaheim, and now the Kings have made a big three-way trade. Yeah, this came out of nowhere because normally NHL teams don't make
0: deals till they get right to the beginning of free agency and right uh, to the end of June as the draft is occurring. But the LA Kings had a unique set of circumstances. I think they've done a good job re- rebuilding and fixing the franchise. I think Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille have just really in sync as to how to make this a viable franchise. And it got to the playoffs this year and did very well. They pulled off a three-team, 10-player and pick trade. Wow. The Kings did it not so much to get new players in the front door. They did it to create salary cap space. They have monster cap problems with players' contracts coming up. They picked up $8.5 million in salary cap space Hmm. Uh, by dealing away Calvin Peterson, once promising goaltender, and then by dealing away Sean Walker, who was one of their starting defensemen. So they cleared $8.5 million because they have to re-sign a defenseman they got in a trade at the deadline and they have to uh, go back into the marketplace and, and recite a couple of their younger guys whose contracts are coming up. So that's what they did, and they picked up a defenseman, Kevin Conaughton, who came from the Philadelphia Flyers, and a young forward, Hayden Houghton. Columbus gets Igor Provorov, huge defenseman, very high number one draft pick. He comes from the Flyers to the Blue Jackets in a trade, and Columbus had been strip mining their roster. He's a really good player, so he comes. And Philadelphia, which has new leadership has just decided, tear down, rebuild. Philadelphia gets a 1, a 2, a 2, plus they get Cal Peterson from the Kings and they get the defenseman, Sean Walker. So, I mean, this deal impacted teams from a lot of different dimensions. From the Kings standpoint, they get 8-5 cap space because they've got three young players, one of their defensemen they've just re-signed. They're starting to eat up that cap space now to lock down the guys, the kids that they really like.
1: That makes a lot of sense when you have different teams of different objectives salary cap rebuild, maybe some team just needs a veteran to plug in on the on the defensive line. This is a lot different than the LeBron for Kyrie where you're kind of trading two big superstars i so this is I love these deals these like creative ten player three team deals they're a lot of fun and and suddenly three franchises kind of feel like they hit the reset button to a degree they did.
0: And one more note in hockey. It's not on your headline list, but this just broke. They're in Buffalo. All the NHL general managers and scouts are in Buffalo. It's the draft combine for the NHL draft that comes up at the end of the month. And in Buffalo today, the weather's horrible with the pollution and the fires from across Canada. Mm -hmm. And the weather's horrible for the Ducks because the kid I think they were about to take, Adam Fantilli, Big 6'3 Center Iceman, University of Michigan— scored 31 goals as a freshman, as an 18-year-old this past year in the Big Ten, it was going to be the second player pick. The Ducks have the second pick in the lottery. Uh, just indicated to the Ducks and everybody else in the league, I'm going back to Michigan for my sophomore year. Really? Now, they can still draft him and, he, and retain the rights, and he goes back to Michigan, but you don't get to play him as an age 19 young star, or he goes back to Michigan. What if he gets hurt? Oh, that's a big issue. So I think the Ducks are kind of stunned, not by just the bad air they're trying to breathe in (laughs) Buffalo at the Combine, but they're stunned by this. The alternative, if they elect not to take Fantilli, is to draft the top European player, a kid from Sweden by the name of Leo Carlson. But Carlson's kind of indicating he might stay abroad another year because he's just really, really young. And I don't know if age 19, he'd be ready to play in the National Hockey League and succeed. It's it's a very iffy proposition to take a a teenager, few and far between, can come in and play and not get overwhelmed by the experience. And because of the rules, you can't send him to the minors. If Fantilli got drafted and came to the Ducks, he has to stay on the roster. Or he could go back to junior hockey. He Mm -hmm. can't, can't come to the American League and play for the goals. If Carlson comes here, until he turns 20, he has to either stay in Europe or stay with the big club. But you can't. You can't have a lot of 19- and 20-year-olds on the roster who can't cope with this level of play. So, you know, this is kind of a butt-end shot to the gut with a stick for the ducks. I mean, here I was excited that Fantilli looks like a can't-miss project, but all of a sudden, at 6'3", at age 19, he's talking about going back to Michigan. So we'll see where the story goes in the next couple of weeks, but that story just broke within the last hour or so. All right. So, John, here we are. Your best friends are out there in left field with you. Do we have people that want to participate in Fans Forum? Just tell them quickly
1: how to get involved. Okay. So, um, yeah, you can get involved with Fans Forum. Just type in your comment or question on the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. We'll get it here on your screen. We've got a few people involved and... uh Hey, let's uh, let's go here to force force ghost. Fabio it says Lakers have little cap space because of LeBron, who was selfish and not taking a pay cut.
0: It's a big issue. You can always get the guy to extend his contract out and reduce the the average value. It does not happen very often in the NBA, but uh, LeBron's got forty seven plus this year and then an option for fifty. I can't see him going anywhere else. Does the organization have the brass to go meet with him and Anthony Davis and say? Would you, so we could? Would you reduce what you're making so we could use that cap space to go get somebody else? Interesting sidebar, and this this has just started to swirl. The Phoenix Suns are releasing Chris Paul. They're going to hmm. eat the contract. With, you and I have talked extensively. Lakers need to go find another veteran who's got winner uh, heritage. Yeah, And you know, I kept saying Draymond Green mm-hmm. and you kept telling me your Golden State <laughs> background, don't come up my way and touch him. How about Chris Paul?
1: Yeah, that's a good idea, actually.
0: Now, maybe he'd come for a lower price because he's not going to get the money that he was getting. He was supposed to have $16 million guaranteed in Arizona. Or Arizona, the Suns are cutting them loose, I think, effective on Friday. So maybe Chris Paul is an angle that you get a, a great veteran to come in here who still wants to win a ring and he'll play for less money. But if you got guys earning 47 and 40 next year in uh, the King James and AD, do you need to make them take a cut? Could you imagine, though, would I be out of control if they wound up with both Chris Paul and Draymond Green on unique veteran contracts?
1: Oh, wow. I mean, it, yeah, well, it's kind of like when the Warriors, you know, got uh, um – Uh, Durant, you know, when he signed with them, some players, some teams get all the riches, you know, but it's, I don't know. I have a problem sort of wagging my finger at LeBron and saying you're selfish because you're not taking a pay cut. I mean, he earns what he makes, uh, but it's just, it's incumbent upon Palinka and the rest of the Lakers brass to figure out a way to make that roster work. Um, And if LeBron wanted to do, I think Tom Brady sort of did this sort of thing, right? Where he took a little less to kind of get some better players around him. You know, if he wants to do it, fine. But I, I don't think we need to shame him for it.
0: No, no, because he is the NBA. I mean, yeah. it's twenty years worth of excellence, and he's become a great player, a great citizen. Exactly. So, okay. Next question.
1: Okay, and uh, this is uh, from uh, from Dale, Dale Thumbs. He says, "LOL, Saudi money is really U.S. money. It is now.
0: It's PGA money. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody wants to nobody wants to say who won and who lost. We know who won." PGA, all the players and the fans, we know who lost, Greg Norman. Nobody's paying attention to anything that guy has to say. And Saudi money is oil money. Unfortunately, Saudi money, I'm sorry, is blood money. But the PGA is now taking that money. Should we be critical of the PGA for doing this or is avoiding antitrust litigation what's really important here?
1: Well, I think it's smart on them to not let the government stick their nose in the tent. Because like you say, you don't know what they're going to find and they want to kind of manage their own business. And once you get into antitrust, it's very subjective. It's not an objective reality where they make these judgments. So anything could happen. Um, But to to, uh, Dale's point here on the live stream, yeah, it is U.S. money, not only because it's PGA money, but it's the money that we all spend to put gas in our cars that ends up going to Saudi Arabia for all the oil. So um, it's just funny how it all works. But, you know, the, the world is a global world. Um, I just wish we could sort of come to terms with how we're going to have a in in this case a foreign policy with Saudi Arabia and then how does that re- how is that reflected in the world of sports we're j- we're kind of trailblazing here I, I don't know how you
0: rationalize how the
1: saudis treat people
0: the oppression
1: oh the women's rights are just humiliation horrific.
0: exactly so how how do we sanction saudi arabia uh, take their money and say it's okay we take their money while well, all this other stuff is going on
1: it's just just absolutely amazing next question okay uh this is uh from uh, rusty shackleford he says any chance that all the angels re-sign otani well you know they're playing pretty well under phil nevin
0: i mean i still don't think they have a complete pitching staff otani's having just a spectacular statistical career you know and we talked about months and months ago if you could understand what he goes through monday through sunday to get ready to play because if he's the designated hitter Five days a week, there's all that preparation, batting practice, uh, fielding, conditioning, studying the pitchers that he's going to face, and then he shuts it down because he's also got to throw bullpens between starts, and then he spends a day with a scouting report the day he doesn't play, getting ready to pitch against the, the Cleveland lineup. The, I mean, to me, it's absolutely amazing the dedication it takes to be the complete ball player he is, both as a DH and as a starting pitcher, and the wear and tear factor. I I mean, to me, the mental fatigue would be one thing. How about the wear and tear factor with all that preparation he does to play two positions?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. And, you know, we see this in high school and sometimes in college of these two-way players. Amazing he can do it at that level. And, you know, like everyone always says, we haven't seen it since Babe Ruth. The big question is, yeah, what happens next year? You know, is it the Dodgers? Is it the Angels? Is it, you know, the Padres? Maybe they're dreaming. Or, you know, does something happen we don't expect? You know, does he suddenly end up in In Miami or New York or something? I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Fascinating guy. You know, you get a chance to watch him. Watch him.
0: Because we probably won't ever see this again in our modern lifetime.
1: Go ahead. Well, I was just already getting uh, um, kind of uh, scolded by Dale Toombs because I sp- mispronounced his name. So uh, let's move on here down the list and get in some of our social media commenters. And uh, this is this was kind of a fun one from SDCA Equipment uh, talking about the Padres problems. He says, LOL, Hacksaw needs to stick to checkers while Seidler deals with chess. 60 million from Bally's is going to sink this organization. Networks will be lining up to air the Padres. Take your meds.
0: Hey, I'll take my meds if you stop taking drugs. Hey, equipment man, understand this. Listen to what I say. This is $60 million a year, not a one-time $60 million loss. This is $60 million a year revenue stream that they're not going to get. And the back end of that TV contract, the money went up and up and up. Well, the back end of all the contracts that they gave to Xander Bogarts and obviously to... Manny and, and to El Nino, the back end of those contracts, those fees go up and up and up. They don't have $60 million a year coming in now because of the collapse of the TV network. And even though baseball is proposing the Team 30 concept, which they firmly believe is, is going to allow them to stream and, and create a mega network, I don't think the Padres are going to get $60 million a year under the new dimensions of whatever – team 30s mlb streaming right is so i think it is a problem right now and the other factor equipment man (laughs) you know you can't tax the fans year by year price tags on everything at petco park have gone up and up and up do you know the price tags the last two years combined and tickets have gone up 38 percent wow and that doesn't include refreshments and food and jerseys at the team store Mm -hmm. and parking oh yeah so i mean you can't tax the fans forever so I I think it's a blow. Padres got blindsided. The other 14 teams that had deals with Diamond Sports got whacked. I mean it's it's an issue, and we have a very benevolent, quality-rich owner. But I will tell you what, they're money-strapped in Pittsburgh and Cincinnati because those are really small marketplaces. Oh yeah, and to to lose whatever Pittsburgh and Cincinnati were getting, and it might have been 50 million or 60 million per year. That's a phenomenal amount of money for an even smaller market. So. I'd, baseball's got a problem that they're going to have to work really hard on
1: well they're going to make up some of the revenue you know they'll have a plan but bally admitted that they overpaid you know and the market changed and and the padres are sitting pretty there and that sweet deal you know it only lasts for so long it's turned sour more questions please okay well here's another angels question we were just talking about phil nevin and and michael ross says will phil nevin still be managing the angels by september who do you think would be a good manager for the angels i
0: don't think they'll make a change. He's the 33 and 30 and he's kind of doing it with the patchwork pitching staff. Uh, Rendon has finally come back healthy. How long he stays healthy remains to be seen. Uh, he's missed an awful lot of games. Trout's hitting. Otani's hitting. They had a couple of the complementary guys uh, who had health, mental health and physical health injuries that are now back. Uh, Ward and one of their other outfielders and their first baseman, Jared Walsh, so I think potentially they've got a pretty good competitive team. Maybe they make the playoffs. I although it's kind of hard when you look at how good everybody is in the American League East, but if if they're above five hundred and they're waiting for the next wave of young pitchers to come, they've just started to roll in here. I think Nevin probably keeps the job. Now if they if they bottom out and they wind up, you know, being twenty-eight games under five hundred, then maybe it doesn't work for Phil. Uh, we'll have to see what the owner does with Otani. I mean, that's the biggest question of all. Does Showtime stay at Angel Stadium?
1: Yeah. Big questions for the Angels, but I'm happy for Phil, Uh, you know, because, uh, he, he kind of got screwed over when he was the triple A manager for the Reno Aces. He should have been maybe the next heir apparent with the diamondbacks that didn't work out. He was always kind of the, you know, the bridesmaid, but never the bride for these jobs. But you know, I I root for him and, you know, he's he's from Poway here and his kids, you know, he has two sons that are playing minor league ball. And so I just kind of root for the family in general. And wouldn't it be great if both of his children were playing Major League Baseball? I know his oldest son is up and down between AAA and the majors. And the youngest one is at the Rancho Cucamonga single A team for the Dodgers. So uh, wouldn't it be great if all three of them were in the league at the same time?
0: Cool picture. Phil Nevin goes to home plate. They're playing Detroit. Takes the lineup card out. Who comes out of the Tiger dugout with the Detroit lineup card? Tyler Nevin. Exactly. Isn't that cool? It, That's totally, really
1: cool. It's great stuff, man. Okay, let's do one more here. Okay, let's, uh, they've got a USA Soccer comment in here. Uh, this is from The Turd in the background. Is always chi- chiming in about... Uh, u.s men's national team because i could tell you as the press officer for u.s soccer that greg bearhalter wants to take some time off a report came out a few days ago that greg would be bring back gio reyna if reyna and his family apologize to the team greg will likely return reyna
0: is already back he's part of the roster uh, that the interim coaches have taken as they start playing the nation's league and then the gold cup They play Mexico. I think it's in the First Nation League game. Reina's back. I'm excited at the roster. I mean, they they just got the player who came from France, uh, who U.S. Soccer Federation approved on a one-time transfer to come in and play, scored 21 goals for Reims last season. So he's vibrant. And obviously, Polisic is healthy. And you got McKinney back. Reina has been allowed to return back his practicing. He will play, probably take a much bigger part in the offense, Ricardo Pepe is back. Uh, I, I just think that there's so much new firepower that wasn't there during the World Cup, and these guys will just play together and they'll grow. I mean, twenty the World Cup, the next World Cup is a little bit down road. It's mm-hmm. not it's not three weeks from tomorrow. So if they can keep these guys healthy and grow the young guys together, I'm just really excited. I want to see Burhalter back and, and Polisic last week we talked about it. Polisic went public. Uh, When they opened the training camp last Monday, he said, Greg should be the coach. Yeah. Now. Mm -hmm. None of this interim stuff. None of this with the new general manager, Matt Crocker, we got to do interviews. And I believe it. Burhalter changed everything. He changed the roster out. Obviously, they started to rebuild. He changed the culture out. He brought his style of play in, his persona. There's no doubt he's a tough guy as a leader, but that's, that's a motivational tool. I like Burhalter I wish they'd put this thing aside. And Raina is back. Now, it'd be weird if Greg becomes the coach after what Reyna's family did, but they just have to find a way to work it out for the best of the flag.
1: Well, it seems like, you know— uh, he he's, maybe he's just taking some time off. Maybe that's all this is. Uh, but yeah, Bearhalter needs to be the guy there. But I just love the whole vision of U.S. Men's uh, National Team. They're positioning themselves to be very competitive in 26 when the games are here in northern in the Northern uh, America area. Because I know it's Canada, Mexico, and U.S. It's called Northern Hemisphere, John. Northern Hemisphere. There it is. You cut class the day they taught (laughs) geography at UCSD to go drinking. I know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I saw uh, you at the
0: end of the bar. I was there, too.
1: And uh, the other part of it is... I see, you got me off track. I can't remember what I was about to say, but I'm still, I'm, I'm happy for this team. Oh, I know I was going to comment on. But they also installed that new general manager that's going to help rebuild sort of this youth, you know, uh, pipeline of talent and kind of developing young players in America. So I think the future is very
0: bright. Yeah, Matt Crocker came from, I think it was Southampton, the English Premier League, and he was in charge not only as the manager of southampton he was in charge of the youth program's whole developmental thing that goes on there in england hey listen we hope you've enjoyed our thursday podcast we'll be back here monday with a bonus podcast a reminder please check my website com. we ask you to subscribe we ask you to share tell all your friends about all we're doing whether you agree or disagree does not matter as long as you give us a shot uh and don't be afraid Because I'm looking for friends. John needs friends. (laughs) Give us a five-star rating if you can on Apple. Hey, thanks for being with us, John. Have yourself a great sports weekend. Okay, you too, Lee. Nice to chat with you. Thanks for joining us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. San Diego! For more content, go to leehacksawhamilton.com.